0: I don't know which newspapers you read, but you'll probably notice that different newspapers have different complexity of language. And there's a way of sort of assessing uh, language for how complicated it is, which looks at sort of how many, what percentage of words are outside, say, the most common thousand ones used in English, how long are the sentences. And I think when I was doing my teacher training, it was something on the lines that, something like the sun would come as sort of category 10, something like the times would come as category 20, and something like a UN guide for people in third world countries would come out at about 30. Uh, That was meant to be a joke, but never mind. Uh, Now, actually, when Lynn was doing her teacher training, uh, at the Institute of Education in London one of the jobs things she did was actually taking one of these UN guides and actually trying to rewrite it in more accessible English but I used to read the times and there's I can't remember his name now but there's an economist who used to write in very complex sentences and but also he had a very uh, wicked sense of humor So once, in his column, he wrote an entire article with just two sentences, no, doing a parody of his own style. I say this as a way of introduction because we're going to be looking today at Ephesians 4 Ministries, and I'm going to read in a moment, it'll be on the screen, but you might want to find Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles, I'll start, read verse 7, and then verses 11 to 16. Now the reason I mentioned that was if you take the original Greek verses 11 to 16 are one sentence. Now, I wasn't aware of that until I looked it up in a commentary. The ESV tries to get this over by doing it in two sentences. Some uh, translations will use five or even more sentences to get this over. So, when I read it, the thing to remember is that all of this is flowing on one from the other. It's not a series of separate statements. We need to look at them together. So, Ephesians 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And Then from verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds together up in love. I'll try to get it all in together in one go, but as you can see, it's quite a mouthful. I'm not going to cover everything... ...in this passage today... ...because it overlaps into what Sam will be talking about next week... ...when he's talking about leadership is Serpent-Hearted. It will also be overlapping into what I will then be speaking of, yeah, on at the end of the month... ...after we've had Dave Barham with us... ...on uh, the fact that we're local church-focused. But this bit, where well, we're t- looking at leadership values... We're looking at the Ephesians 4 ministries. And it's not an easy passage, apart from the sort of structure of it, in many ways to deal with. Because there isn't a simple expression in the New Testament of how the early church worked. So therefore, we have glimpses here and in other places of how the different... Uh, aspects of the church work together. So it is extremely easy with a passage like this to come to it with our own built-in assumptions and read those into it and just see what we expect to see. So we need to be cautious and make sure that anything we do interpret from this is consistent with what else we find in Scripture. As I say, there's not a great deal said on this kind of topic. Because it wasn't something which uh, somebody like Paul wrote about a great deal. It's much more something which was lived with the people there. And it's something which developed as the church grew. But if we could have a look at uh, what This value is in the uh, statement under Ephesians 4 ministries. So the statement we have is this. All Ephesians 4.11 gifts are valid today and help bring churches to maturity and to equip men and women to fulfill their God-given ministry. Eldership teams are encouraged to invite Ephesians 4 ministries to help bring their local church to maturity. Local elders are the final human governing authority in a local church. However, the local elders are encouraged to invite invited then to receive clear apostolic input and authority. What I'm planning to do is have a look first at what this scripture tells us about the Ephesian 4 ministries. And then look at the end a bit as to how that is being applied within the relational mission churches. So it's going to be a mixture of both. I'm not going to do a great deal on the bit on the local elders, although I will refer to that, because that will come in uh, later uh, in three weeks' time. I think the first point we would make, and I think for most of us uh, this wouldn't be controversial, is that we accept all the Ephesians 4.11 ministries as being valid for today. That Is not true across all evangelical churches, let let alone all churches. And it is something actually we need to be careful for ourselves that even if we say we accept it as being true, we need to make sure we actually bring it and use it in practice. One of the commentators I read was said particularly when we look at the first two apostles and prophets that many churches effectively put what was uh, implied by Paul here for the apostles and prophets would give that role these days to the New Testament. Some churches will do that explicitly and say that they don't see that the role of uh, apostles and prophets still exists in the church And that when the New Testament came, that faded out. We don't accept that, because if we go back to our first value, we are word-based. And there's nothing in Scripture to suggest that any of these gifts of Jesus Christ has been taken away. However, if we're not careful, we can behave like that in practice. So, and But of course it's more complex for us because we now live in a time where we have the New Testament while when Paul was writing it wasn't there. So we have to make sure we keep a very strong emphasis on Scripture but in that that we don't uh, therefore neglect That these gifts have been given for the church as well. I think a thing I would stress. These are gifts. They're not titles or ranks. It's not something which somebody is appointed to. So you don't in a sense give somebody the job of being an apostle for four years. Or you give. No somebody can then be. Uh, ...a profit for a length of time... ...and then they get promoted to a different job. Because they are gifts... ...they need to be recognised... ...rather than appointed. You can't say... "Ah, ...we will appoint somebody to this job... ...and therefore they've got this role. But when we look at the gifts... In other places where the gifts of the Spirit are mentioned, it's very much uh, in terms of uh, things which people do. Here, the context seems to be very much is talking about specific people. And so what we hear from here is that God gives gifts to the church with specific people. I think the other issue we have in dealing with this is that over history, words pick up baggage and assumptions, and therefore we need to be careful as far as we can that we are looking at uh, what the scripture is telling us, not interpreting the words ...through cultural baggage which might have been built up over the years. Looking at this list here, where we have apostles, prophets, evangelists and the shepherds and teachers. We would see that last one, shepherds and teachers, as being an equivalent phrase... ...to the term used elsewhere as elders and bishops uh, in the New Testament some people would interpret them separately but we would see that in the different places where those terms are used by different writers they're basically talking in the same context. Now I must admit initially when I uh, started getting involved with uh, New Frontiers through uh, having uh, become a member of this church I was never that keen on the idea of shepherds and teachers being lumped together as one uh, gifting. Uh, the reason it gets put together is that when you look again at the original language, it talks about there were in the original. It, rather than saying the apostles, the prophets, it tends to be more some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds and teachers. So when it comes to the last ones, it just it puts the two together. However, when I uh, got to one of the uh, Brighton conferences at a seminar, I think somebody pointed out very helpfully that actually you can put these together, but the way the balance works in different people can be different, and the way people do things can be different. I suppose the reason I always had an issue with it is I would always have seen myself as having a teaching gift, but shepherding... Not quite so sure about that. But uh, you can shepherd by your teaching. You can help people in that way. And I think if we're not careful, we can start putting too much emphasis on one or the other. But we need both uh, within the church. Again, this is one of these words where you can get uh, uh, baggage. On it. The problem we have is we have to use words, as the early writers did, which exist in everyday language. One way this is often translated in some uh, Bibles, rather than shepherds, is pastors. And I think this is one of these issues we have with the English language where it is complex and it has multiple uh, sources. Because if you take the word pastor, it basically comes from the French word pasteur, which means shepherd. You know, we talk about a pastoral scene with sort of sheep on, on nice green fields in English, but we don't tend to talk about a, the shepherd as a pastor. Use the word pastor for a shepherd. And again, the word shepherd, if you were around in the church in the 80s can come with various baggage attached to it. So we're always uh, going to have difficulties in using language. So we need to make sure that whenever we are using language, we are making sure we use it in a way which reflects what the Bible's teaching and not assuming a lot of baggage from the past. And that's always going to be an issue when we get to these kinds of things. However, apostles, prophets, evangelists are seen much more as being people, rather than being people necessarily in the specific churches and having them in each church, as people who serve the churches uh, across a range of churches. I think it's worth, at this stage, I, I've changed the order I'm going to do things in, to look at what are the purpose of these gifts. Because I think if we're not careful, we can get if we get very much tied into the exact titles and so on, we can lose what's the reason. And I think this came out a bit earlier in this, uh, when... Uh, uh, Maggie, I think it was you were talking about identity. If we're not careful, we can start trying to put an emphasis on an identity with the titles rather than looking at what the purpose of those people are in supporting the church. And we find in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4 from verse 12 to f- uh, 13 quite a few of these purposes and then we find from verse 14 on what happens if these purposes aren't there and aren't being fulfilled so if we look from verse 12 what is the purpose of having apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers well the first thing we find in verse 12 is the equipment or the preparation of the saints so, again, the word saints comes with a, a lot of baggage attached to it now, but if you want a biblical term to describe the people of God in the church, the word which Paul uses is the saints. So, it's for, we are to be prepared, we are to be equipped. The purpose of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers is not for them to be built up in their gifting. Their purpose is to help equip everybody within the church. So that's the first bit. But why do we need to be equipped? Now, in the ESV it says for work of ministry. Now, ministry is another word I have lots of issues with in the way it often gets used. But what does ministry mean? If you look at what it means, service. So the purpose of being equipped... Is for each of us to be able to serve. It's not so that we can develop our ministry. Any ministry we have is just a skill, something to enable us to serve. So the first thing we're being built up for is to serve. Going on in verse 12 is also to help build up the body of Christ so the purpose of our serving one another is to build us up as the body of Christ going on to verse 13 to attain unity of faith to attain the knowledge of the Son of God so that we can know more of what we believe we can know who we believe to attain maturity of adulthood. So we need if we these gifts of these people are being used in the church, the end result of that is that each of us should become more mature in our faith. And in doing that, we show a measure of Christ's fullness. So we get As we do that, we're showing Jesus to those round about us more and more. So therefore, these gifts in Ephesians 4 are to build us up as a church so that we become united as a church. So if these are not doing this, these, gifts, these people are not doing this. They're not meeting this, these Ephesians for uh, criteria. So, how does this work in practice? Now, as the value said, and as I said I'll be coming on to later in the month, the primary focus... Is the local church. So, therefore, where you have these Ephesians 4 ministries of apostle, prophet, and evangelist, it is up to the local elders to invite people in. So, in, the, in our current context, that means uh, Sam and myself. But if we're looking in the context of our links with relational mission, originally it meant at the time John and myself who were the two elders at that time invited Mike Betts to have apostolic oversight of this church because at the time when Terry Virgo was handing over apostolic oversight we as elders had to choose which (coughs) apostle we were going to uh, put the church under in that sense so we're in a situation that it's the elders who agree to invite the apostle to have oversight of the church. It's not a case of we're in a hierarchy. As I said, I'll come on to uh, later in the month looking at the fact that primar- the primary focus is the, and the primary authority comes within the local church. Now what Mike is doing at the moment is that he is forming communities within relational mission to assist with the apostolic oversight. Now there are going to be, as, as already mentioned at a family meeting, there are going to be two communities in Kent, based in Kent, one being led by Adam Vogue at Cornerstone Medway, and one by Martin Seagull at City Church Canterbury. Now, for us as a church there isn't an immediate obvious we've got stronger links here than there therefore that's the one we will go with. So do please be praying for Sam and myself as we need to consider which way uh, we go with this. As Sam's already mentioned when we've got the enough half-night of prayer, that's going to be uh, a, here, that's going to be an across kent one. And the intention with the communities is not to use it as something to divide things up, so we will still be doing things uh, with churches in other parts of Kent, whichever community we eventually go with. We will still be doing things uh, with uh, the Sittingbourne and uh, Sheppey Church plants even though it's highly likely that one will be in one community, one will be in the other. So whichever way we go, we'll still be across the communities. So we're still going to be working together. But that is one way in which the apostolic oversight is going to uh, work. Also, as uh, elders, together with Gordon and Matt earlier in the year we invited Steph Liston to come and uh, when we had our previous uh, Swale Sunday now along now, when we w- joined our M Mike was the person who was recognised as having apostolic leadership of the group now he has brought uh, Steph Liston and Morris Morris, Morris Nightingale to uh join him in that. So in that sense by us inviting Steph in we were inviting an apostle to come and give us input here. If we turn, look at Romans chapter 16 we find there when Paul is finishing his letter to Romans he's talking about passing on greetings to people he knows who are now in Rome and in Romans chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 it says the following I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church at Cenchreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. And in this passage uh, the phrase "a servant of the church is used, uh, which is very similar uh, in its uh, form to the word which we now use for deacon. But this is a phrase which Mike has picked up on, and so what uh, we are do- is happening within relational mission is that certain people are, going, are being recognised as being servants of the church. As people who've got these sorts of Ephesians 4 ministries, and it's a way of saying that these people we recognise are gifted by Jesus in these ways, they are available to churches to invite in. And so therefore, what that means is it's now making it easier for Sam and myself as elders to invite in Ephesians 4 ministries to come and serve us here in the church. The original intention when we invited uh, David Barron to come uh, in a couple of weeks time was actually he would come for the weekend And on the Saturday, he would do some training with us on evangelism, uh, particularly using the uh, three spheres thing, which uh, Sans demonstrated in one of his uh, sermons. In the end, that hasn't worked out, but the plan will be to invite him back sometime next year, so we can do that. So that would be an example of this happening. Also, at the moment... We're looking at uh, inviting somebody in to give us some input on the prophecy side, to get uh, Ephesians 4 prophet to come in and give us some uh, training and some equipping in that. So the, uh, the idea here with the Ephesians 4 ministries is that as elders we invite people in to come to help equip us so that then we can serve and we can grow together so what that should mean is that over the uh, coming months and years we'll be able to see more of this happening we've had some of it we've had some of this in the past It's for the last two, few years it seems to have fizzled out to some extent because it's been a bit harder to know quite how to handle it so with some of the changes which uh, Mike, uh, Steph and Morris have brought in it's going to make it easier for us as elders to draw people into the church to help equip us so let's go back to those verses and remind ourselves of some of the main bits verse 7 you've got to remember these gifts are Christ's gift to the church so it's not something which we build up for ourselves it's something which Jesus has given to us and we have apostles who help us stay, make sure that we keep our theology on the straight and narrow to so that we are not going astray to help us in keeping our vision wide and not restricted to our own church to help in terms of planting new churches into new areas so one way that is happening at the moment is I think about a week, maybe two weeks ago Maurice Nightingale and his wife uh, moved over to Europe, which is where they're going to be mainly focused, and are going to be spending a few months. I forget which country. I'm not sure if I even picked up which country they've gone to. It might be Germany. I'm not. I think it's Germany. I'm not too sure. But in the same way as uh, Dave Devonish pioneered this about 10 years ago, you no, know, rather than just doing a short trip somewhere, going and spending several months somewhere to help build up the church in that area. Then they'll probably move on to another country, and so on. We've got prophets. So prophets can help us hear what God is saying to us as a church. And that's something which we need, both in terms of people who have got this Ephesians 4 gift of being prophets, coming in and giving us support, but also, helping to build up those within our church who've got a gift of prophecy so they can use it to help build up our church. And the same with evangelists. It's not so that they come in and do the evangelism. It's so that they come and help us so that we can do the evangelism. It's helping us so that we can serve. It's helping us so the church gets built up. So what we'll be looking is that as we have these Ephesians 4 ministries that they are gifts of Christ to his church to build us up to be whom he wants us to be. So that we go from being less mature to more mature. And it's something which all of us have got degrees of maturity we can grow into. So it's not something we ever get to a finish. Let's pray.